Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford FC. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me once again are football journalist Tom Burdell and football analyst Jordan Weimer. And guys, what, what a difference a week makes. Um, how are you doing first? But uh, we'll, we'll get into the game that we've just witnessed, I'm sure, in a few moments time. But how, how are you doing? You OK? I think we're all doing a bit better after that victory, aren't we? I think we all feel a bit more uh, at ease and a bit, a bit of a better mood in the previous podcast. Yeah, definitely. Pick myself up, up up off the floor after that first half, and in, in good spirits now. Yeah. So in the last episode, we, uh, you know, <laughs> what a difference! We were talking about, uh, you know, how the future was was looking a bit bleak for Cisco, in, and uh, well, that he needed to, you know, do a couple of things. Firstly, start playing his best players in their best positions, and and secondly, maybe look at a different formation. Um, maybe he was listening to the podcast because he he he, he sort of did. Almost exactly that. Jordan, talk us through exactly the changes that he's made. Well, I mean, yeah, I think as soon as the lineup came out, we saw there was the changes that a lot of us wanted to see. I think the biggest, the biggest one being the the dropping of of Troy and of uh, Andre Gray, and it, it made a huge difference, didn't it? The change of shape obviously helped too, but I think the fluidity and the way we moved and in attack and in midfield, we just looked like a completely different team, and the players looked like they were enjoying the football too. Uh, clearly there was an application improvement from the players but I think just that change in shape and the change in personnel just really opened things up and opened avenues that weren't there previously um, I know Troy mentioned uh, in uh, in the post-game uh, comments after the previous match against Coventry that he thought at times we just need to look and go direct to, to him more often I think today just shows the complete opposite of that and, and how how different things can look. Um, I thought we did an excellent job and I think, yeah, Shishko deserves a lot of credit for that because there were some some real questions being asked and I think a few of us were maybe unsure of how likely he was to change things. So all round, I think it went pretty much as well as we could have hoped for. And it certainly was a big call to take your captain out of out of the, the team and, 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 you know, drop him to the bench. I think that's a very good point, actually, because there's an element of... As, any head coach, I think for any head coach, there's an element of kind of thinking that, you know, you know best uh, and, and your way is right. So to have stuck so stoically to the four four two until now and then changed it and, you know, seen such a such a resounding win, obviously, and we'll get into this. I think Bristol City more than played their part in that. Um, they, you, you know, you're, there's inevitably going to be a bit of you that thinks... Ah, so maybe I wasn't right all along, but you know, bigger picture is that it was 
the best performance I've seen this season. I missed the Preston win. I didn't watch that game. Um, but I think up until now that had been you know the standout hadn't it so really encouraging and it gives us hopefully confidence throughout the squad and a springboard to go off of it's on the back of the worst performance too arguably as well which is a nice thing it's it's, it yeah it's a complete contrast so I think it it makes even more it's even more heavily emphasized when you you have that contrast in the previous game Um, and as as you say you didn't see the Preston game but I think the difference is we performed within the system of Ivic at that time. We we performed to a level where it was productive, and we got that we got that victory, and we had a you know a decent goal margin, and it felt like we were probably at the best end of what we could expect from from that sort of football. I feel like today was was interesting because it was a complete shift in approach too. I think everything just felt fresher, and uh, I mean you'd, you'd hope that's at the very least an eye opening kind of experience for the squad and also it, it's, it vindicates the decision of um, of Munoz to change things so yeah really positive on that yeah yeah you're, you're both right there it was a fantastic Watford performance and we, we will get into that but we probably should also highlight um, that Bristol City probably didn't bring their A game and um, you know kind of helped Watford out a little bit yeah, they, I mean they weren't the best, were they? they? They weren't a great, they weren't a great side today at all. But having said that, they're still. I think I think today, if we'd have if we'd have performed in the same way and won one nil, it doesn't make a difference to me. It's the, it's great that we got the goals, but the performance and it's the it's the approach that we we took to that game, which is a real big positive for me, um, because in isolation, you know. It's three points, fantastic. We've got a lot of three points over the course of the season, which have, you know, they've not felt the most satisfying. This, you feel like we're making some progress. And whilst Bristol weren't the best, we still had to go out there and we had to perform within ourselves. And I think we've been our biggest opponent in a lot of the games we've played in the sense that we, we struggle to kind of overcome our own downfalls. So as much as Bristol weren't great, I think there's still lots of positives to take away from it. I just think they're in a, in a difficult stage of their, their season and they're a different, difficult point for that club. So hopefully they kind of improve. It's a, it's a club I quite, I quite like actually, Bristol City. But yeah, they were struggling a bit today and we didn't help that. Yeah, yeah. it was a shame for Adrian Mariapa as well to be on that side because um, he, didn't, he didn't deserve that. It's a rough return. Was I right in hearing in commentary that that was the first time he's played against us? Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's yeah. kind of surprising to me. I, I thought... Because he was at Reading, wasn't he? And um, Crystal Palace. Palace and, as well. You imagine yeah. that he might have played for them. I could have sworn he had a game at right back for, against us for Palace once, but I must just be completely wrong. Well, well, I mean, he knows now he doesn't want to have to play that game again. So, <laughs> yeah, certainly certainly a better player for Watford. But um, let's get back to Watford then and, and the, the fantastic performance. And we could go through the whole team, but I think there was probably one candidate that was a standout for, for man of the match and that's Ismaili Asar he really turned up today uh, talk us a little bit about you know the, the, the two goals and the two assists and, and the whole the overall game that he played that just really demonstrated uh, just how important it is that, that you know that he's stuck around with us for the rest of the season I mean what could be you know a, a defining you know move that we've, that we've managed to keep hold of him and he's bringing he's now bringing his performances for us I really think that although they've got a lot of injuries Bristol City they've probably got their system wrong today going with the wing backs Jordan much more up your street this than mine but I just thought that it got so much space and so many opportunities in between Towler who was at sort of left wing back and Taylor Moore the the left side of centre half 
and you know we just had real joy getting him in down there didn't we and, and in the areas and in the situations as well that we want to see him in and have wanted to see him in all season running onto the ball running into space and and just really wreaking havoc you know I, I hadn't realised I must have been until afterwards or I hadn't clicked in my brain I suppose that he got two goal, uh, two assists sorry to go with the two goals mm. so you know really uh, I think the sort of afternoon he possibly needed after some games recent where he's, we've just not been able to get him involved in the way we can and I think we said this actually a few weeks ago after he scored the the goal away at Stoke uh, where he sort of got in on that right hand side you know hopefully that was going to be the springboard to sh- prove to him that you can do that at this level and, and really use his pace and, and directness and so on but today was the the £50 million Ishmael Asar we all know he can be yeah, I mean, we, we discussed it again in the previous podcast in regards to QPR and, and Coventry. When you're, when you're playing a back three and you've, you're you looking to exploit them, often that space is to be found on the wing back, especially if you're playing a more traditional kind of four at the back system where you're going to have full backs overlapping with your wingers too. You should be able to get a decent overload in the areas of the pitch, but we failed to do so on a lot of occasions of this season and failed to make teams kind of suffer in that area. But today we pressed on very well and we made it very difficult for them. And I think the real difference in Saar is him actually taking his man on, um, being aggressive, looking to isolate him and, and, and drive at the box. I think that's something we've seen a lot of a lot from him this season is if he did get the ball, often he was delivering the ball and trying to make a cross before he'd even taken on his man. Today he was, more again, more aggressive and he was running a little bit more inside and he's, when he's got the ball, he's not just kind of staying very wide right and then kind of putting a cross in from that right corner flag sort of area. So I think the more direct you get Saar playing, the better. Um, and yeah, he was he was really, really good, wasn't he? And I think later on in the game, we saw him kind of drifting into some more central areas too. His second goal came from from that sort of position. And that's exactly what you want. Um, that's what we've been needing for the entire season. But it's been difficult for him to do so. It's not just his fault, but I think his application today was very good. And I thought defensively, he worked well again too. Um, it's maybe a bit easy to read into these sort of things, but you, you can't help but feel that there's a, a reaction from the players and a certain freedom that came from them just by knowing that there's a, a different sort of, of, of move, a different sort of player around them and that the movement's different and you have more options. I think that was especially evident for, for Saar. He was able to kind of link up with that, that kind of partner in midfield and, and up front and, and be a bit more of a menace to the uh, opposition today. So let's try and be a bit more analytical here. What, what, what was it about the system that allowed... Saar to, to play his best or is it is it a case that Saar just had a good game in himself or, or was it the system that, that opened that up for him? It's a, it's a bit of both really because I mean if you're talking about if you're talking about what the, what the system does to kind of highlight kind of input, put, put Saar into the game make him more of a problem if you have that three man midfield naturally you're going to have more options for him when he's on the ball so whether that's a pass inside for a one-two or whether it's that kind of more advanced midfielder pushing a little bit further up and, and making making Bristol's defence have more things to think about. They maybe can't sit quite as tight on the SAR if if Cleverly's kind of moving into that, that space a little bit wider on the left and, and maybe a centre-back has to kind of drop off a little bit or a, a wing-back's kind of forced to play in a slightly different position. So it opens things up for him. Um, also, you've got the, the, the additional movement you'd expect from Jao Pedro. Dini and Gray can be quite stagnant in them forward positions. Um, so the, the switch in, in numbers in terms of different areas, having the three in midfield and, and one up front, but also just the movement of the players 
And then the application from Star too is, is, is a big part of it. So it's a bit of both really, because Star's actually taking his man on. He's not just, uh, he's not being a little bit more passive like he has been at times earlier in the season, which we've all kind of had that bit of frustration. I think I think today was kind of the the first time we've really seen the combination of the performance, the application and uh, the system helping, helping get the most out of Star, uh, especially in, in a, in a game where he could have found it difficult to impose himself had it been, you know, a few weeks ago and we're playing more direct and looking for Troy and Andre, I think we would have struggled to, to see the best out of him again. You mentioned Jao Pedro there and, and the other member of that front three was Ken Semmer as well. And both of those players also had good games as well. And, and Ken Semmer, you know, capped that off of a goal and, and possibly could have had two as well. I mean, it was a bit unfair that his first one was um, kind of awarded as an own goal, wasn't it? Because it, it felt to me like it should have been a, 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 his own goal. But uh, he certainly got one uh, definitely in his own name. And, and he, you know, he had a very good game. I like to look at the team when it was released on Twitter and I thought it was going to be 4-3-3 looking at the way the names were listed and obviously so it was uh, and I really was impressed with João Pedro I thought that was one of if not his best performance of the season he you know put them up put their their back three under pressure he worked hard he he ran at people he carried the ball he was happy to go and sort of go into the wide areas and let other players kind of come into the middle. Uh, it very nearly scored, didn't he? Absolutely battered one off the crossbar in mm. the first half. Great chance. And I think that really was the only thing kind of, kind of missing from his performance. I, I would like to watch it back almost and, and watch the highlights back potentially later tonight or tomorrow. We're obviously recording pretty much straight off the game today. Uh, normally have the opportunity to do that. And But I... I can't imagine I would see anything that kind of contravened that view because I just thought he was a he was a menace throughout and it gave us a glimpse of how good he can be through the middle and how kind of uh, agile and mobile and pacey that front three can be which you know has been lacking in recent weeks. He's averted a lot, hasn't he? In that in that position, he looks a lot more a lot more competent in the box. His movements got got quite good. He looked he looks a bit sharper, and I think also. If you just said early on in the season that he'd be looking quite comfortable leading the line in the zone, it probably would have been a bit surprising. But I think he he does, and a lot of that also is down to the movement around him and the support he's, he got today. Um, but I thought he looked he looked really good. He was covering the ground nicely. He looked quite physical. He's he's definitely not as lightweight as as I think he can often be. He can often be classed as. I think he's actually quite a physical player in, in the right times. But he's he he's just he looks smart and in in the box and he looks like he can he can hold him hold his own up there so i th- i think it's definitely a real promising sign i think he maybe struggled a little bit early on trying to kind of get a real partnership with the striker without having that support from out wide i think he really benefits from from having that wide man who's able to run run in and I think the, the big difference for, the, for me for that front line today was the the ability the the option to kind of change positions a little bit it wasn't happening the whole game, but just the fact that if if Saad does decide to come inside, there's no issue with Pedro just drifting out wide and looking for space out there, or staying cent- or staying central and narrow and being an option inside. I think having that ability to move players around and not not really affect things in a negative way just opens up so many more pathways to, through to goal. And I think that's something we really struggle with is that that direct approach is very very one dimensional. Um, in previous games but today we just looked like we had a lot more a lot more ideas and uh, we didn't look so improvised either I thought it looked like the players were kind of on a better better understanding and, and things just looked so much smoother and a big part of that was the, down to Pedro and on the other side King Ken Semmer who to be honest has had a pretty consistent season he's, he's always been putting in a solid you know seven or eight but just 
and even in some of Watford's poorest games. But um, again, he was he was a uh, you know another shining light again today. Yeah, he's just he's been great, hasn't he? I mean, I, I think he's just been consistent uh, on the left hand side. I think the previous game was possibly his worst uh, for us, but I think today he was in another bright spot and just kept that balance really nice. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, I thought he was really good today, wasn't he? Again, he's uh, which game was it? He came off the bench and he was it at home? Was it against QPR? He came off the bench and showed yeah. you know, kind of glimpses, wasn't it? But yeah, I thought he was thought he was really good today. Got wide and, and you know went at people and was. He played a big part in, I can't remember which number goal it was, but the goal where Cleverly eventually pulled it across for Saar. It was him that, you know, put the, the mm. defender under pressure after that. I can't remember if it was a pass back or whatever. But, you know, I, ju- I just really like him. And, and in terms of getting in the right areas, you know, I think all too often we don't commit enough men into the penalty area, but his willingness to get into the penalty area was rewarded today pretty handsomely, wasn't it? It's never a bad day when you uh, when you can get getting confused over how many goals Watford have scored and which ones which. I mean, I mean usually that's not an issue at the minute, is it? But uh, yeah. that was lovely to lovely to be talking about. Um, we also got to see uh, the new boys, uh, Gosling and Lazar, came on and played. You know, a good period of time. Uh, what do we make of them, guys? I was quite impressed with Gosling. Actually, I thought he did pretty well. I think it was a pretty good game for him to come in on. Um, is a situation, I think when that front three can be that creative and you've got Will Hughes in there that can look forward. I know we, we discussed kind of our concerns of Gosling when he first when he first joined was he's a little bit more of the same. We're maybe concerned about that midfield too. Is he, is he going to offer enough variance to, to what Cleverly offers to kind of value, be worth that starting place? But I think today it does show that in that midfield three, as an, that additional midfielder, he's got some good energy. He got around the pitch nicely. He played the ball pretty smoothly. He didn't get caught out in possession. He he won the ball back a few times, and I think he fit in pretty well. Um, if we're going to be continuing down that route, I think his signing, to me, becomes much much better value um, than, it, than it was in the day uh, that we signed him. So I thought it was a pretty good performance from him. Lazar didn't get too many touches, uh, didn't really get too involved, but I think Gosling specifically the bit more time. He just looked uh, he looked like he fit in nicely. I didn't see any problems there at all. I thought he looked good. Yeah, I thought it was a really steady debut actually from him, wasn't it? It's kind of it's one of those where it's 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 hard to come in and look bad, obviously, but equally with everyone else playing well and you know so much emphasis on the attack and the attacking players, it's probably quite easy to come on and just blend in without doing a lot. But I thought he, I thought everything Jordan said. I think he won the ball back three times, something like three times as much as. Anyone else in 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 his short time, he was you know kept the ball moving, kept the ball neat and tidy. I think I think he's going to be an important player, particularly if we are to go with a three going forwards. You know, potentially here's someone who fits slightly better into that uh, into a midfield three than a than a midfield two for for my money. So yeah, really good start from him. It really changes the complexion of his signing in general, doesn't it? If you see him fitting yeah. in there, I think it's it. It becomes yeah much more important if, over the course of the season for me. Mm. And the Lazar signing just makes sense, doesn't it, to have that extra cover on the left hand side? And you know he he didn't do anything particularly amazing in that game, but he didn't have much time. He was only for about for about fifteen odd minutes, but he also didn't look out of place either. And he played some sensible balls. And you know he also looked like he's got um a good relationship with Messina, which probably isn't unsurprising given their their backgrounds. But um it's nice to have a bit more, or at least to feel a bit more comfortable on that left side now. I think that's all we need. We just need him to be okay. We just need him to be decent. He's not going to be starting games 
and that's needed most likely but I think also something I mentioned uh, during the week too is it's not just about assuring that left hand side it's also the the sacrifice you have to make on the right hand side should someone get injured should, should Masna get injured I think losing Firmenia who's, who seems to be the more natural at, at playing on that left when Ngakia when played there he looked a bit uncomfortable in possession and clearly we want Firmenia to be on that right hand side so if you have to then shift him over, then it just affects the whole balance of the team. And I think if you can get someone that you can plug in and play if needed, then that's all we need. It's good value for us, and it's an opportunity for him to to possibly impress and earn a contract at the end of the six months that he's he's got with us, or or find a move on uh, in the future. So it's kind of works works for all parties, I think. I was also really pleased that uh, Philip Zinkenegel came on and and got a goal that I think a lot of his previous players really deserved. Um, like, like, like the like the other guys, Gosling and Lazar, he wasn't on for a great deal of time, but um, I think he deserved his goal just for the, the impact that he's had since since joining us. I thought it was another really bright cameo from him, wasn't it? And cameo probably doesn't do it justice because he was on longer. I think he's been on in a lot of games. Um, maybe not his natural position, the position he'd like to play most, but you know he certainly got into those kind of wide areas, particularly down the left hand side. And there was one little passage of play where he must have. Uh, you know, pulled off kind of two or three little bits of trickery to wriggle out a space and, and pass the ball or, or what have you. And then the, I thought the goal was really, uh, well, excellent overall. But the fact, again, that at that moment, at that late in the game, he was driving to get in the box and be there on the counter like that was was, was really encouraging. I hope that in this four-three-three system, we potentially will, if we stick with it, big if, we will potentially see uh, a little bit more of him. Be hard for him not to stick with it now. Now that now that we've seen how good they can be in it, but um, I suppose you have to take into consideration the opposition you're against. But uh, what was you going to say there, John? Yeah, I just I was going to say something similar. I think there's if if you want to change things, it'd be it'd be mad to change too much, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd have mm. to. I understand there's going to be some fitness issues. You might want to freshen things up a little bit, but in terms of the, you keep the core of, of what we did today as much as possible. It's not always could be that smooth, of course, but I think you have to work off those those pluses that we saw today. And I think the players just looked, a they looked like a completely different set of players in the pitch at times. In, in terms of Zinkenagel, yeah, I mean, it's great, for him, it's great for him to get on the score sheet. He deserves it. I think even if you look at him today, if you go back and watch some of that performance off the ball, I think you can see how in, how intelligent of a player he is. He makes some really good runs. Even from that left-hand side, it's not his most natural position. He wants to be on the right, but he's taken up good areas and he's he's opening space for others with his runs. He wasn't getting used every time, but he was getting into good, some good positions. And once he wasn't the ball, I think he was pretty, pretty comfortable and made some good passes and he, he looked dangerous. And as he said, he's looked, he's looked bright every time he's been on the pitch. So... I think it's another good performance for him and to cap it off with the goal is great. Really, really nice, unselfish play from Saar uh, on a hat-trick is always, mm. always promising to see, you know, that teamwork. And I think that, that I'd say that counter-attack um, and that goal as a whole was quite indicative of the whole performance today. I thought it was good teamwork, good application, good effort and, and it worked out well. It was all very smooth and that's exactly the what you want to see from Watford and that's I'd say that's probably the, the top end of what we're capable of and something that we should be looking to kind of replicate more uh, throughout those games Why do you think we saw the change? I mean it was, it's quite it's quite evident the change was needed but why now? Why not two games ago or, or, or three games ago? I mean since he's come in he's had a fair amount of time here to to try things out but he's, he hasn't really tried things out Well I think 
I think the thing with with coaches, uh, there's a difficulty with coaches. Coaches are very rarely humble in in admitting when things aren't working, and they develop a style of play, and they develop a system, and they develop a, a way of coaching, which maybe it's a little bit easier because he's younger to change. But a lot of these coaches have a very defined idea of what they want, which can be good and it can be bad. But often cases, oftentimes, it leads to a situation where you have a coach come in and they want to implement what they know and coaches feel comfortable in what they know and that's what they're best at. But when you don't have the personnel or you don't have the, the things aren't going the way you want, you have to change. It becomes very difficult. So that can often take time if it does eventually happen. I think the the real key to that change was the previous game was so bad. I think when him and his, his coaching staff are sitting down and rewatching that game, which they will be doing multiple times, it's it's very evidently bad and if you didn't change that i think you you're asking to to lose your job effectively because you know that there's not going to be too much time and the only thing that really was left to do was either stick to your guns and carry on or change and i think he kind of got forced into it but i think at the very the very least it'll be eye opening um and you'd hope that that would be a, a big enough indicator to stick stick with it Knowing, knowing what we know before you come in here, Tom, about um, about what we've seen in the athletic uh, and uh, about how Watford work with their sort of technical directors, and I'm not quite sure if that was the exact job description that Filippo Giraldi had, and that now Cristiano Giretta holds. Is that the is that right? Um, how much influence do we think those guys had on Cisco changing his? style or do you think this is i mean this is all speculation but um do we do do you you think there's anything to do with that tom that's the million dollar question isn't it because i think that's the question we'd all like to know uh, probably above anything else um certainly from that interview that was a great interview with uh with adam leventhal on the athletic uh, there are still things I'd, I'd love to know about Giraldi, but I, I respect that it's not always possible to ask them or you don't really get a particularly interesting or, or, or straight up answer. But uh, yeah, you know, he said we're not we're not a club that kind of steps back and leaves people alone and coach head coaches alone. And to be honest, I think I can't remember where, but I've either, either talked or written about this in the past. And my view on it is, do you know what? I think I don't think there's the big problem with that in the way that some people I know I'm going off on a tangent here and answering my own question rather than what I was asked but I actually don't think there's a big issue with that I think it's a cultural thing that in this country we're not used to having the director of football technical director model so much obviously it's now become you know the norm but it it, it hasn't always been you're, you're used to having those dynastic managers like Ferguson and, and Wenger and so on and so forth but judging the play, judging a coach on their kind of match day work you know which is 90 minutes and then a bit of kind of how they interact with the players before and after is such a small portion of the week that I think there's there's a very good case to be made for being a presence at the training grounds and so on because that is where they're working day in day out now quite how involved you are and quite how present you are is another matter but I, I don't think it's personally and this is not saying anyone else's view on it is wrong I don't take it as the affront that a lot of people seem to do. So if uh, Cristiano Giretta or whoever it may be has you know, had five minutes with, with Chisco in the last week or five minutes with one of his staff or whatever, whatever it may be or just you know, given him some different data or, or something and influenced it, then great. That's, that's a good thing, isn't it? That we're all working cohesively and, and the end result is that we win 6-0. 
um, that that's ideal. I, I suspect that they probably didn't, and they, it, he, as as Jordan said earlier, kind of, you know, was it was so abundantly obvious something had to change that he he was kind of forced into doing it. But you know, if if there is that kind of synergy, but for want of a better word, between the different kind of football heads at the club, then then I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Tom just said. I think I think when we look at Gino, it's something we discussed last week. He likes to be very involved. He's, tra- he's out of the training ground every single day. It's where his office is. I think he's actually done a pretty good job of delegating staff. I think it's easy for owners that are invested in clubs to kind of overstep that presence. And he, he's done a decent job from what we can see of, of delegating those tasks to various roles, uh, Felipe Girardi being one of them. I think from the outside, it can look interfering. Um, but I, I think that, that interview on The Athletic, it sheds light um, on on what the situation perhaps was actually and how things can be misconstrued. Um, look, I think it's important to have an understanding of what, what's going on at your club and, and where things are and having people that are at different areas and monitoring gives you a better understanding. It allows you to have your finger on the pulse and it kind of allows you to make more educated decisions when it comes to coaching or, or changing your coaches or recruitment or whatever. Um, so I think it's a good thing. Um, I don't think necessarily that they are having a, a say on selection or, or tactics or, or those sorts of things, but I think they want to work closely and, and have that constant understanding. I don't think they want to have a disconnect there. And perhaps that, that eagerness to, to make sure that's in place can come across as interfering from the outside. Um, especially, I know, in, in that article, The Athletic, it was it was referenced that, that game against Man City at, at Vicarage Road where uh, Giraldi was up and down the stairs and he was seen on the sideline quite early on in the game and having discussion with, with Stack and Mullins. And it, it seems that was actually in regards to, um, in regards to a technical issue. Uh, with the GPS trackers allegedly, so I think that I think the outside perspe- uh, perception can be skewed, and we're looking for an answer to mistakes and problems, and it's easy to kind of go into that realm. But I think on a whole, as a whole, I think it's a, it's a positive thing to have a group of uh, a staff that are in tune with the the goings on and, and able to keep up to date in these specific areas. Because if you don't have that, it can it can be the difference. It can be a fine margin that you lose out on in a league such as the Premier League or the Championship. You need to have every edge you can. So I think it's a way of trying to provide that for us. So for me personally, I think it's a positive to have that that group there. Jordan, if and this is going to be maybe uh, maybe, maybe it's just too early to make this thing, but is the race for automatic promotion back on, or is it just is it is it too early to say after just one good game? Do we need to see the rest of the week out really, and uh, before we know the answer to that question, or or has it oh, has it always been on? Yeah, you, well, look, I think if you talk about the result, then then yes, it's on because you know it's another three points closer and it's kind of pushing us back into that pack. But I think the real thing that determined how we felt about the chance of automatic promotion wasn't so much the results in itself, it was the the, the actual performance and, and how we felt that was going to translate over the rest of the season. I think up until this point, I think there's a feeling amongst the fans that we were very far off the pace and I think we were very far off. And it it's funny because with just with such a a few changes so quickly can you feel in a different a different way about about this this team we know that we were capable we have we have talent in the squad but we felt like we were very far from actually kind of unleashing that talent and finding a, a proper cohesive way to use them so i think if we can replicate anything like that for large portions of the season there's no reason why we can't go on a good run of form i mean we've we're in the position we are without having a steady 
steady level of performance for the entirety of the season. I don't think there's one game we can sit down and, and say that we were, we were consistently good for, not not to the levels we were against uh, Bristol today. We all kind of point back to that Preston game. So yeah, I do think the promotion, automatic promotion race is on. Um, I think we're very capable. I think it's just a case of can we can we keep to those levels that we're at today? Can we kind of overcome roadblocks that we're inevitably going to face along the way, whether it be injury or you know defeats or what have you? As long as we can keep the foundation of that performance going to at least you know eighty ninety percent for large portions of the game, there's no reason why we can't mount a pretty good challenge and and get some form going. It's just finding out how we address those situations when they come. And with a game on Tuesday and Friday, I mean, that's a a difficult situation to overcome in itself because you've got that short turnaround and we're going to see us tested again. But I think we, we did find out a lot about, about that group of players and about the coach today. So yeah, I think it could be back on. Tom, is it back on? I don't think you, I think Jordan summed it up perfectly. Actually, I don't think he was ever off. It was just that, the feeling was so negative and there was such a lack of optimism and the, the way we were trending was so far in the wrong direction. It was it was very hard to believe that it could be. But if we learn nothing from this division when we were in this position previously, you know, nearly six years ago now trying to get out of the championship, it's that anything can happen. And, you know, no one would have anticipated where we were at stages in that season that we would go up let alone automatically and and, and you know that was the case even right down to that final uh, uh, was it the final or the penultimate weekend where you know the yeah penultimate wasn't it the improbable circumstances all kind of came true and we got promoted no one would have anticipated that so I just think you know it's that cliche of the championship being the most unpredictable league in the world it, it actually is so anything could happen as long as we're in I've always thought that as long as we're in that sort of that, you know, in the peloton, then we've got a fighting chance. And that's all you need in this league. Seven points away from Norwich. I mean, if, if we were to win those two games and things weren't to go that well for, for Norwich and, and Brentford are up there and Swansea, I mean, we, we could be, you know, within a point of of, 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 of top place. I mean, it that is, you know, probably not going to be likely. I'm sure that Norwich won't drop everything and, and neither will Brentford and Swansea, but certainly we'll be a lot closer if, if we can get those two two wins. Well, you never know. Yeah, I mean, it pushes you up. We ha- we have to take these points now. Um, we have to try and use this this kind of next three four weeks to kind of build some momentum. I know. I'm pretty sure the last four games. I think in the last four games we played Norwich, Brentford, and Swansea. So you know that's going to be vital when it gets down to that point if we can be at a position where we've accumulated at least we're in touching distance of those of those teams you know it's going to be a good opportunity for us and it's it's, it's going to be tough I think two of those games are away uh, I think we're away at Brentford away at Norwich and the home to Swans in the last day of the season so look we have to be in a position to to be able to to compete and, and, and be at a level where a point in those games three points is enough to kind of you know switch positions around and, and keep us in that pack so I think the next few weeks are going to be very defining um, but there's no reason why we can't because as, as, as quickly as quick as we were to to change uh, how we how we played the game and, and how we look it can happen both ways and there's, there's nothing to say that Swansea won't take a downfall in, in, in form Norwich has, has some blips that. yeah and, and Brentford I have think have these teams had a blip yet sorry yeah, I mean Norwich Brentford have been magnificent. Bit, but yeah, Norwich had a been flying for a while, haven't they? So yeah, I've want. got some. I've still got some questions about Swansea from watching Swansea play. I don't think they're they're by no means perfect. Um, same for Norwich too. I think Brentford maybe. 
I think Brentford in some ways you kind of feel most confident about because they've got such a they've had so much time kind of building towards this spell, whereas Swansea and Swansea have maybe had a little bit less and they've they've ridden their luck a little bit more too. Um, I think they've done pretty well in January. It's kind of helped strengthen them. But Norwich as well, you, you never know. There's enough games left. There. It doesn't take much of a of a slip up in form and that when you when you do have that drop in form it can take a little while to correct and when the games come so fast you can be three or four games down before you even you know have the chance to really correct things so it doesn't take much if we can keep keep on this path i mean that we're talking about one game we've had one really good game um but it's just exciting us, isn't it we've we've we're all of a sudden it's like we've just had <laughs> the, the shadows have lifted and all of a sudden we're like oh we've got we've got a chance because if I think the thing is, it's because you know what the performance can produce going on. I think if we'd have if we'd have won this game today, if we won this game two nil, Troy doing the penalty, ten yeah. seven, just say yeah, we'd have, we, we wouldn't have felt, problems. Exactly. We we I think there'd still be a majority of people in, in the Shisco out camp. Um, but it's it's the change in performance and the way you see the players perform today. I think everyone can feel more confident and. Even if it doesn't, even if we go back to something more than more to what we, we've been used to in the next few games, there's every reason to feel positive after today's result and performance because it shows it's a signal of what could potentially happen. So I think it was so good in spells and it, it was so good at utilising our best players throughout the game. I think if you can see that being replicated, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be confident that we can, uh, we can definitely be pushing towards that top end further than we are currently. I'm certainly feeling more confident. Um, Preston, though, they are a tricky side. They're a tricky side. They just beat their Lancashire rivals Blackburn yesterday and they've got a good outfit under Alex Neil. You know, it's not going to be easy. They are a good team. They just lost, obviously, a very good player in in the window just gone. Didn't, uh, uh, two good players, Ben Pearson and, and Ben Davis, both moved on. Obviously, they've got um, Ben Whiteman in from Doncaster. They're... A, they're a decent team. We obviously thrashed them at our place, but I don't really think you can read too much into that game. The main thing for us is we know all these games are hard. I can't bring you any cutting edge analysis on why they're good or otherwise. We know, you know, there are no easy games in this division cliche. The main thing now is going on a little run, isn't it? And and proving that this wasn't a one-off and proving that it was on the balance. It was more about, us being excellent than Bristol City being really bad and just, you know, keeping pace and making the most of this week. With Preston too, I think it's another it's another away game, which is always, it, it's always a struggle for us this season. But having said that, if you can if you can just bring some of that momentum into this game, you feel so much so much more confident about our ability to get a result on the road. Because if we can just have those phases of the game, we'd have some interplay, we get some good movement. There's always a chance. And I think previously, I think previously we've had a little bit too much respect from our position. They've sat deep. We've not found a way of not found a way of breaking them down. But I think if we're able to play in a similar manner and be comfortable in possession and be a little bit more incisive in the field, I think that that sort of that sort of style of play against us is actually going to start favouring us as time goes on. So it'd be interesting to see. I think after this performance today, Preston might have to they might have to approach the game in a little bit of a different style to what they were preparing for up until this point. So, I mean, it, as you say, it's, it's hard. It, it's a hard game. There's no easy game, but I do feel confident there's there's room for us to work in if if we kind of can bring some of that same approach today. One result does not make a, a promotion push either. If we now go 
revert back to type, you know, then it's it's all for nothing, isn't it? It, so. it would be the most insane managerial decision that's been that's happened under <laughs> under the pot. So just suddenly he decided to go back to a four four two with Troy and Andre Gray up front. That that would be it would be <laughs> ridiculous. You know at least one of them's getting a start in next week though, because there's no way he starts Troy starts on Tuesday. Guarantee Troy starts on Tuesday. No chance. Take I tell you what we didn't talk about today that I thought was really good just quickly before we wrap up. Tom Cleverley I thought was really, really good. Yeah, he uh, was really good. Yeah, he was great. Box to box. And I was going to tweet it before he then ultimately set up that goal the way he did. But love him, honestly. Yeah. Everything he yeah. lacks, he, he, he then he just puts in a game like that. And just, when you've got that flair around him, though, he's perfect. Yeah. It's when you it's when you require flair of him that is the problem, you know? When you start yeah, looking exactly. to him for attacking inspiration, it's like a bit depressing. But when you've got him <laughs> coinciding with Saar, Pedro, Semmer, it's, you know, worlds apart, isn't it? Is Tom Cleverly better in a three, do you think? Definitely, yeah. 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 Because you can because you can you can sacrifice a little bit of you don't need that culture on the ball. You don't need. You just need someone that's steady in possession, and then just use his legs, and it allows yeah. it allows the players around. When you're in the problem with the midfield too is in our ideal world, you look at all the teams that play a four four two that have been good. Even you look at Watford when we played four four two. Capu, complete all rounder. Decore box to box can play in any, any any part of the pitch. That's what makes them good. They're well rounded. As soon as you have someone that's you know a bit more focused defensively or like very good at one specific thing, it's hard. Um, even like Atletico and they had Thiago and Gabi in that midfield you've got to have players that are comfortable doing a bit of everything and Cleverly is just a bit too he's a bit too much of like an energetic defensive kind of harrying player to, to have as that kind of that guy he's like a Bayrami isn't he yeah he is yeah he's yeah exactly <laughs> he's not he's not quite that fit um, that's, but yeah I think as soon as you put him in the midfield three and you, you give him that freedom especially when you play him a little bit further forward and he stops that that build up in midfield from your position I think it works exactly. really nicely yeah he's just got Cause if you, you imagine if you're it, yeah if you're like a deeper midfield player and your job is to pick up the ball from your centre backs pick up the ball from your full backs and start attacks it would be an absolute nightmare to play against someone like Tom Cleverley. I'm, I'm very surprised that someone like him wasn't used on Kapoor for years because if someone's actually, when we play with Kapoor the way we did, if we had someone that just, sole sole job was just to stop him getting the ball and don't allow yeah. us to play through him, we'd, we'd lost so many more games. And how does Will Hughes complement that then in three when, when you've got when you've got the Nathaniel Chalabar and Tom Cleverley? Nathaniel Chalabar, he was. Nathaniel Chalabar's your defensive guy. He's just someone that's going to be held back but he, he's still able to part especially more recently he's able just to keep possession going and then Will Hughes is just simply your best midfielder he's in every category he's passing wise he's got the best passing range he, yeah. he moves across the ground pretty well he's actually defensively really sound he made some really good challenges today he's a he's arguably one of the better defensive midf- midfield players and when I say that I don't mean occupying that position I mean just defensively he's one of the best and it's funny isn't it when he was, a, yeah. when he was well, at Derby yeah. I always I, perception was that he was that kind of attacking midfielder number 10 eight and a half like you know made things happen higher up the field when we signed him I looked at his numbers I was like wow he actually makes a hell of a lot of tackles and interceptions for someone that I did not perceive to do that and now we have him I'm like yeah he's so much more than 
just a sort he's of just flighty, a, lightweight number ten. He's not lightweight at all, is he? He's got he's got yeah. a bit of grit to him. He's got he's just yeah. got he's just got so much to his game. I just think he's he's a very very good midfielder, and part of the reason he has been used in so many different positions is that he's that good. He's technically a good player, and he kind of takes every box. So he gets kind of pushed around a little bit. But you put him in central midfield, and I mean, he's yeah, he's definitely our best midfielder now. Interestingly, when Chalaba and Cleverly were both of us in the first time round, they were that sort of attacking midfield guy, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the standard mm. was worse too, which helps them. They they were able to kind of they were able to dominate. I honestly think too. I think so much of them players, especially well, both of them players, especially in our squad. I think they're quite. I think they struggle maybe with the mental side of the game a little bit, and like in terms of performance, I think that maybe they aren't quite. They're not quite the most sound in terms. It's hard to describe. I think they they struggle with that side of the game in terms of cre- creating a consistent performance. Because if they have a bad performance, it really builds on them. I think when they were young, they were so they were kind of the big fish in the small pond. They had a little bit of confidence that they don't naturally have. I think they're most the most naturally outgoing. I know both of them work, or especially Tom Cleverly has had a psychologist, like a sports psychologist, like a private sports psychologist for years because of that time at United after he left us and he got all that criticism. I think that's like something of their game that really comes through in them bad patches. Mm. Um, I think the same with Chalaba too. When he came to us, he was a kid and he was doing so well. I think he kind of didn't realise he wasn't scared of injury. He wasn't scared of performing badly. He just, it was only good things. I think he was just in such a confident vein and also too, the, the standard was worse. And then when Gosling comes in, is he kind of like that, the direct replacement for Cleverly? Yeah, I think he's also just like a bit. He's like a bit of an in between Cleverly and Hughes. Like he can play the ball pretty nicely too. He's quite combative, but he's he's someone that can just fill that hole, especially in that three. You could really put him in for. I mean, ideally you wouldn't put him in for Hughes, but there's nothing to say you couldn't play a midfield of Hughes, Gosling, and Cleverly, and it'd still be working pretty good. But Hughes is the is the linchpin that has to that has to stay in, I think in the midfield. Hughes is the one we don't have a replacement for. You don't have the output replacement for Hughes. Hughes is the. If you had to say a key player in the team you wouldn't want to lose in, in that midfield, it'd definitely be Hughes because Hughes is just, he can do everything and you don't want to lose a technical player like that because he just keeps things going. Like them, them, some of the goals he scored today, just having someone that can play a 10-yard pass and actually see that pass a split second earlier, it can be the difference between Zink and Nagel's goal or not, you know? Even though you're so deep, even though you're so involved at such an earlier stage of the, of the play, it just allows you to be, it allows all these things to happen. If you take an extra second on the ball or maybe you go sideways instead of forwards, then you lose that momentum. I think someone like Will Hughes is just like, he's vital to, to making sure them sort of things happen. Okay, well, that one's a seven o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. And then of course, on Friday, another game, another tough one coming up. We'll talk about that a little bit more after the Preston game, which we'll be back for to talk about, uh, well, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Now, my thanks again to Tom and Jordan for joining me. You can find those guys on Twitter, as always, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Burdell. So we'll be back again after that Preston game. So until then, do enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm sure you will. It's been a fantastic day for all of us here watching Watford. So from Tom, from Jordan and from myself, it's goodbye for now. Keep following the Watford Buzz. Keep giving us reviews. We love those reviews. Tell us your reviews. Tell us what you think of the show. And we'll try to make it uh, as, as good as you want it to be. Because we want to make this show so that, so that you can enjoy it. So that you can listen to it uh, and tell your friends about it and say, yeah, I, I enjoyed listening to that show. Uh, those crazy guys talking about Watford, the team I love. And I'm, I'm going on far too long now. Uh, I'm off script. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this. 
right now. But, that's uh, what Watford winning 6-0 does. That's what it does. It makes yeah. you loopy. It makes you loopy. And I want more of it. I want more of that high. So, so please, come on, guys. Get us that win on Tuesday. All right. See you later. I'm done. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.